Hello, my rebels. Today, I uh, take you through a very short speech by the health minister. It's just a one-minute comment, but in it, he basically says, get ready for a new requirement. You have to have your third dose or you're considered unvaccinated. Now, you know, that may be his opinion, but what if there's an or else to it? What if he'll punish you if you don't? I'll take you through his statement and ask some questions. That's next. But first, let me invite you to subscribe to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Uh, I think it really makes a difference, especially if we show you images or video clips. It's just eight bucks a month. You get my weeknight show. That's 20 times a month. And you get weekly shows by four of my colleagues here. So it's 36 shows a month. It's just $8 a month. I can't even believe it's that cheap. I, I think maybe we should raise the price, frankly. It's half the price of Netflix. Um, and the reason we need that dough, actually, is to keep our company strong, because we don't take any money from Trudeau. We rely on you. So please go to rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, Canada's health minister is now pushing a third dose of the vaccine. Are they going to bring back mandates again? It's July 4th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you sensorious bug. It's the 4th of July, a day of freedom and independence in the United States, a day of revolution, to be candid, taking up arms against a tyrant that really isn't in our Canadian spirit, is it? In fact, many people on the British side of that Revolutionary War came north, especially to Ontario, United Empire Loyalists, they were called. We didn't have a revolution here. We had a slow evolution, didn't we? Our country has changed a lot, but our relative submissiveness when it compared to Americans, it's still part of our national character. Compare that to the Declaration of Independence in the United States. You really ought to read it if you haven't as a Canadian. Some of the language is a bit archaic at being nearly 250 years old, but it's clear enough. Can I read some of it to you just in case you don't know it? And even if you do, it seems like a July 4th thing to do. I'll read some. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government laying the foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. 
it's just very powerful. What follows is a quite a long list of deep grievances they had with the, the British uh, Empire at that point. Um, so those are the people that put in the First Amendment, you know, protecting freedom of speech from the government. Those are the people who put in the Second Amendment. It came later in the Bill of Rights. But this is the spirit, protecting your right to bear arms. Having read that and think you can't have a revolution without guns, the Second Amendment was not about hunting. It was about maintaining a veto over any would-be tyrant. That's why the Second Amendment's in there. So that's the Americans. We're a bit different, aren't we? I have an American friend who was telling me how when he moved to Toronto, he just couldn't get over how often Canadians say sorry to each other. Sorry, sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm more sorry. And, and it's good to be sorry for certain things, but not just as a default utterance. Your natural reaction is that you submit, you comply, you ask for forgiveness or permission that you are wrong. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? This is the Gadsden flag. You ever seen that? It's named after its creator. It was actually made for the American Revolution. Don't tread on me. And a snake. Pretty much the opposite of sorry, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Thank God for the Americans. I say today on the 4th of July, and I say it most other days too, America is pretty much done with its COVID lockdowns, by the way. Even the bluest of blue states. There are some remnants, but not many. What politicians didn't abolish, the courts did, including knocking down the mask rule for airlines. You can still wear a mask if you like, knock yourself out, but the collective mania has been broken. These days, people think about Ukraine or inflation or other things, gas prices. Sort of broken the hypnosis. I, I also credit the fact that people have simply seen that the free states, like Florida and Texas, did not all die from COVID. In fact, they usually had better health outcomes than the blue states. And they didn't make their kids lose a year or two of school or make businesses shut down. So that's the freedom country. Happy birthday to them. How about up here? Well, here's Trudeau's health minister, Jean-Yves Duclos, telling us how it is. This is just a minute long. Take a look and listen. But what exactly do we mean by up-to-date vaccination? Let me be very clear. Up-to-date means you've received your last dose in the, in the past nine months. Up-to-date means you've received your last dose in the past nine months. If you've already received a first booster, that's great. And please see if you're eligible for a second or a third booster to remain up-to-date. But my message today, more specifically, is for those that haven't yet received their first booster. The immunity conferred by a primary series of two doses of vaccines administered in 2021 has now waned. While you might have gotten infected, risk is high. You could get reinfected with all the downfall, including the risk of developing symptoms of long COVID. As health experts and physicians will tell you, it's critical that you go and get the shot that's waiting for you. There's a lot in that minute, isn't there? He's now talking about a second or third booster. That's on top of what he calls two primary shots. So he's up to four now. By the way, it's the same injection every time. There's no difference. They're telling you to take up to five doses now. 
But not to stop there. You heard them. Take them perpetually every nine months. That's the new definition of fully vaxxed. You're actually never fully vaxxed because in nine months you'll need another. Funny, when we were kids, we got a vaccine. I remember one called MMR. I remembered it, measles, mumps, and rubella. You got it all in one shot, taken once, and then never again. You never thought about it again. There was a polio vaccine in some parts of the world. You took it once and never again. That's what a vaccine means. Five shots of the same thing? Now, hang on, that, that's the original version of the vaccine, right? But we know the virus has evolved, right? It's mutated, it's variants. You've heard the different names of them. The Delta variant, the Omicron variant. These are different Greek letters. They're, they're listing them. But we're still using the vaccine meant for the first variant on the what? Is it now fifth variant? Has it ever been done in science before? Is that a real thing? But the admission here was sort of buried in the bland language. These aren't vaccines at all by the standard definition. You heard him. The immunity conferred has now waned. So to use myself as an example, uh, someone who took one, two, three doses of the jab, but nine months has gone by, they're, they're no better than me. Uh, in fact, maybe their natural immune system is weaker than mine. Their immunity has waned. Uh, it, it's actually worse than just waning. I don't know if you remember a few months ago, I showed you this incredible study out of Denmark, how after 90 days, the two mRNA vaccines actually reached into negative effectiveness, negative efficacy, they called it. As in, they not only didn't work well, they actually worked negatively. They made you more likely to get sick than if you hadn't taken them at all. So you're no better off. You're, you're actually more likely to get sick having taken so many jabs, says the Danish study and others. But you're also putting yourself at some risk from the vaccine itself. Now, I don't know exactly what that risk level is. I, I don't think we're getting all the facts, by the way. The government collects reports of vaccine injuries, but it's a voluntary system, and there is enormous pressure not to report an illness as vaccine caused. It's absurd to see headlines in the news explaining all the newfangled explanations for why young people, young healthy males in particular, keep getting heart attacks or why Justin Bieber got his face paralyzed. Look at this one. Watching TV, gardening, an unhealthy childhood, wearing socks, and my favorite, solar storms. Yeah, that's why people are getting heart attacks now. It's my favorite one, solar storms. So yeah, you heard the man. These so-called vaccines that don't actually vaccinate you against getting the disease Whatever effect they have, and like I say, they, they lack their essential promise of vaccinating you. Well, that effect, whatever you want to call it, wears off. That's the health minister saying it himself. <laughs> you say that a, a year ago on YouTube, you'd have your channel taken down. So none of the protection after a few months. But all the risks. In Canada, 345 deaths reported from the jab. Over 9,600 serious injuries, like heart attacks. Now stop right there. And again, these are just things that are being reported that doctors haven't written off as other things. So the total number of deaths ascribed to COVID in Canada since the beginning is 42,000. Now, I'm a skeptic of that number because anyone who dies within 30 days of a 
test positive for COVID was typically counted. I think I showed you that absurd case in another country. Someone fell off a ladder and died, but because they were positive for COVID, they counted it that way. So they were pumping up the numbers. In fact, a lot of the numbers have been revised down. And as you may remember, there was a miracle in 2021. Literally no one got the flu. It just didn't happen. I remember in Alberta, it's flu-free. Oh, really? Here's the Toronto Star. They're just amazed. And do you think there really were no flu cases last year? Or do you think, oh, it's just possible that maybe those flu cases were called COVID cases, misdiagnosed or treated or, you know, for whatever reason, one respiratory disease, another respiratory disease, that some flu deaths, I mean, typically six, seven, eight thousand people die a year from flu in Canada, that they were counted as COVID just to keep the hysteria going, keep the funding going. But Trudeau's got a problem. You know, he needs to keep up the feeling of panic. You heard Duclos. Risk is high that you could get reinfected. It's critical that you go and get the shot that's waiting for you. Do you think that's true? Do you think people believe that anymore? Some people do. I think this is why governments love masks so much. Masks are a sign of fear, a sign that others are afraid, a sign of sickness, a sign of compliance. That's why the government loves masks. It's hard to press fear if no one looks afraid and no one you know is dying. And remember, the average age of death for COVID was always in the high 70s. And it was people who were typically very sick to begin with. Most people simply weren't affected by COVID, not in their real lives. The pandemic was a bust medically, but it was I mean, certainly no plague. But the government wants to wring everything they can out of it. Trudeau also has another problem. Remember this headline, I've shown it to you. Before, Canada has ordered more than 400 million COVID-19 vaccine shots. Here's the progress report. CBC's pretty happy. Trudeau spent billions of dollars buying 10 jabs for every man, woman, child, and baby. He'd look like an idiot if he admitted we don't need them. Look, this isn't about health. Never was. It was it's about power. If it was about health, we wouldn't have banned people from going to the gym or kids from going to the playground or playing sports. We wouldn't have put children in masks or kept children out of school if this was about health. We wouldn't have done the things we did if this was about health. It's about fear and control. It's about government power and your compliance. So there's Trudeau's health minister telling you that no matter what you think, the crisis is permanent. Every nine months, you need another dose. Or you will be considered unjabbed, just like the dirty people they've been pushing and punishing for the past year. The only question is, are we that submissive and obedient that we'll get back on this? Are we that Canadian? Or do we have even a drop of that American spirit of don't tread on me? Stay with me for more. Happy Independence Day to our American friends, the 4th of July. July 1st is our national day, Dominion Day as it was once known, Canada Day as it's popularly called now. Uh, it's a day normally with celebration where the Parliament Hill itself is the focus of the activities. However, Parliament Hill was locked down. They had 
police-style, airport-style security. Here's a video published by Roman Baber uh, showing a child being frisked for what? For weapons? For flags? I say that because actually we have on tape police saying you were not allowed to bring, bring flags onto Parliament Hill. I know you don't believe me. Watch the tape. It's like a checkpoint here for entrer into Parliament. Yeah, it's just to make sure that you don't have a flag. Okay, that's good. We don't have to enter with a flag in Parliament. So it is pretty surprising that I was told by that security guard that you are not allowed to uh, bring a flag on Canada on the day that you are supposed to celebrate the Canadian flag. So that was the approach to Canada Day in the nation's capital on Parliament Hill, a place that is normally full of 50, 100,000, 200,000. I've been in Ottawa on Canada Day. It is madness and it is joyful. Not over this weekend. Parliament Hill was locked down, as I just showed you. Trudeau had a smaller event uh, somewhat further away, a grand total of what, maybe 5,000 people, a low energy affair, and incredibly, the crowd actually was not allowed to have any flags near him. I don't know, maybe they thought there would be some weapon. Take a look at this low energy business. It's very strange. Uh, it's incredible how the freedom protesters and the trucker protesters from January and February managed to inspire and take over the national symbols of freedom. I, I can never forget walking down Spark Street in the bloody cold back then and just watching two severely normal Canadians suddenly burst out in song. And the song they chose was Oh Canada. Have you ever seen that in your life? I saw it at the Trucker Rebellion in January and February. And so I think there's an actual purposeful reason why Justin Trudeau is diminishing any patriotic expressions. I mean, he himself has called Canada a genocidal regime, so he's not particularly proud of it to begin with. But I think the truckers have colonized the flag and the anthem, so much so that a lot of the lefties don't like to celebrate it. That's a long preamble to what I'm about to show you, because there were people on Parliament Hill. They were these rough and tumble, freedom oriented protesters that the mainstream media and the political establishment hates. Well, we had five reporters on the scene. I'm very proud of the journalism they did because we were watching what this Echo Freedom Rally was doing and saying. But there were also lawyers there from our friends at the Democracy Fund. 
And the reason for that is, of course, Justin Trudeau and the Ottawa police are very hostile to peaceful expressions of dissent. And uh, as you know, they declared the Emergencies Act in a form of martial law in February, seized bank accounts. They were the violent ones. There were no charges of violence at all with any of the truckers. No weapons ever found. It was the most peaceful protest. I think one of the iconic images were the bouncy castles in the hot tub. But Trudeau responded with riot police. So we had our friends at the Democracy Fund nearby in case we got into a pickle. And they were there to help all Canadians, too. Well, you're not going to believe what happened. Take a look at this video from Parliament Hill. You'll see Rebel News reporters there, and you will see lawyers from the Democracy Fund, including Adam Blake Gallopo and Mark Joseph. Take a look. So you're the Democracy Fund. You guys fight for people in order to defend their charter rights and their constitutional, constitutional freedoms, right? And currently, you are being approached by the police uh, because you are allegedly blocking a sidewalk is that what's happening yeah pretty much yeah we, we're the democracy fund so so we're a civil society organization we're donation-based charity uh and we help people who have had their civil rights infringed uh and ironically the police are telling us that um we are not allowed to have a sign on the sidewalk uh letting people know that they have uh, constitutional rights um, to free for freely speak and to assemble so that's where we stand, but apparently Adam... Yeah, so we have, we yeah exactly. So what, what was the interaction with the police? What happened there? Yeah, essentially, we were told that we have five minutes to uh, move our sign. We have to keep it moving. We're permitted to continue displaying this sign, but we have to lift it up and continue moving. Um, I don't know where the, the five-minute timeline came in. That's what they're giving us pr prior to giving us a $1,000 ticket. Uh, we were shown the uh, the bylaw that they're referring to because we don't have a permit. They're alleging that we are obstructing the sidewalk here, which I mean, you can see, like, you know, you can you can see we're not obstructing anything. Yeah, I don't see you're obstructing anyone. I see people walking, waiting beside us. No, but nonetheless, their their statement is that they're they're they want us to to move this sign around. We can continue displaying it apparently as long as. We, uh, we move it back and forth. So that is exactly what we were going to do. We're going to lift it up. We're going to move it. We're going to keep it on our, our shoes uh, so that it is technically not on the ground and we are technically not obstructing. And I, I anticipate that we'll have some more interactions with uh, the Ottawa police uh, uh, prior to the end of the evening. So what you're going to do, you're going to take it and basically comply and walking with it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, they, they, they said that they're, they're going to ticket us. Uh, and and uh, we're, we're going to see, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to we're going to we're going to uh, obey their commands and uh, and 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 see where where uh, where they stand, provided we follow their directions, which was essentially we need to just move with the sign, which I didn't see that in their bylaw, but um, that's what they've told us. So, folks, some lawyers that are here to fight for constitutional freedoms have been approached by the police saying that they, they cannot stay here to fight for other people's constitutional freedom. Yep. Absolutely ridiculous. We're going to see what's happened once again. Another time today, I will tell you, stay tuned. We will make sure to keep you updated at Rebel News. Well, I love our young reporter, William Diaz-Bertium. And joining me in studio, as you can see, is one of the two lawyers for the Democracy Fund who was on the scene. His name is Mark Joseph. Mark, great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. You know, um, 
it's it sounded absurd. You can hold the sign, but not if it's on the ground. You can put it on your feet. You can hold it, but you have to move with it. And it just sounded so made up, so absurd. As Adam said, there was nothing in the bylaw about touching the ground, touching your feet. Um, this is pure, capricious wielding of power just to be a bully. It just couldn't be clearer to me. Yeah, I mean, it was a little disheartening to be there on Canada Day to celebrate democracy and then be told that you can't hold a sign celebrating democracy. That was a little... Yeah, the sign literally says strengthening democracy. There's nothing partisan about it. It's a nonpartisan charity, strengthening democracy. And you were there to do what? To give advice on how to be a peaceful protester and deal with the law, right? Yeah, that's right. We were legal observers, charter scrutineers. We were giving a general legal information with respect to our constitutional rights that everyone in Canada has. Uh, we weren't certainly... Um, promoting, aggressively promoting anything. We were waiting for people to approach us and we would discuss the charter with them. You know, I have been, the first time I went to Ottawa, I was a very young man. I've probably been, I mean, I lived there for a while. I've been there countless times. There is always someone with a sign. Uh, sometimes the signs make no sense. Sometimes the signs are gruesome images. Um, they're often political. I have never in my life heard police before say, you must get rid of this sign. I just have never heard it. Um, and for them to pick on a sign that's so clearly in the public interest, good faith, you guys are so obviously lawyers, you were dressed up as lawyers. I mean, you weren't, it didn't say burn the place down or there was nothing profane about it. Um, that was just a power trip by a cop. I, I, I think that's a, there's something deeply wrong with what we just saw. Adam was making light of it. You know, I mean, you're the, guy, the solution you guys had, let's walk with it. All right. But that that's humorous in a way. But it is not a funny thing that happened. Yeah. I mean, it was it was comical. I think at the end, we I think the police and, and ourselves and the people watching uh, thought it was it was kind of silly. But you're right. I think it points to something uh, dysfunctional um, in, in Canadian sort of society uh, where lawyers can't discuss uh, charter rights on a corner uh, of a street that's completely blocked off to traffic um, with their fellow Canadians. That, that I think is a little disturbing. Well, there's a reason I don't practice law and there's a number of reasons. One is I, I don't think I have the patience and I'm not a, a very strong on the paperwork side. The second is I think I'm slightly too rambunctious, uh, at least these days. Um, when I saw that, and I'm not trying to second guess you, I'm just trying to I'm tell you what my reaction was. And I'd like you to, to answer what you think of this. Um, my, instinct was i mean I, adam said okay and, and you guys decided you're going to comply because you don't want the hassle you don't want to be arrested you don't want the conflagration and you'll just do the stupid thing that they asked but uh, why would you and, and i'm just i'm not trying to be a monday morning quarterback i'm just thinking if i had actually been there i would have said you're seriously going to arrest or ticket civil liberties lawyers giving civil liberties law and you think a prosecutor is going to prosecute this and you think a judge is going to uphold this and we're filming everything. So it's not like you can make a lie about our bad behavior. I dare you to be a Putin style bully. Go ahead and arrest me. What's your name and badge number? Because we're going to get to know each other. I would have had an aggressive. I mean, not not rude and not threatening, but I would have said, bring it on, you little fascist. If you want to give me a ticket for having giving free legal services, that's something that the courts ought to know about. We'll see you in court, baby. I mean, I probably would have sworn. That's what I would have done. And I'm not, so what, is that too hot? Or were you just thinking, 
don't get kicked out of here, just still be useful, still talk to people. Well, look, I think there's a time and place for that uh, passion. And we see that a lot of times in, in other countries. Uh, but I think as lawyers, we don't want to be seen as defying the law that uh, explicitly directly. I think it undermines uh, the larger mandate of TDF. Uh, certainly, it crossed our minds uh, that, that this wasn't right. Usually, the police have the discretion to exercise uh, in favor of, of protesters, peaceful uh, protesters in this case. And I think we felt that some of that discretion has been removed from the police officer on the ground for whatever reason. So now they just uh, arbitrarily enforce or, or blanket enforce these petty bylaws, I think, to get rid of the dissent. I hear what you're saying, because lawyers don't, you, you don't want to become, you want to be the agents and the advocates for others. You don't want to be the center of the story yourselves. That's right. But they made you the center of the story, which is quite something to go after the civil liberties lawyers. The audacity there, you got <laughs> full marks, full marks to them. Um, but if you're saying they were re relying on orders from higher up, well, that would be something interesting to smoke out. Hey, I want to uh, ask you about one of the cases you did take. Um, again, I just love our young reporter there, William Diaz Bertiomi. He's great. He operates in English and French, and, and he speaks Spanish, too. He's a triple threat. Um, this is a video that speaks for itself also. There were some, I don't even know if I would call this civil disobedience. There were some folks there who wrote in chalk and baking soda or baking powder. So it wasn't, it wasn't indelible paint from what I heard. Wrote in chalk on the street, like kids writing hopscotch or whatever in chalk. Free Tamara Leach, that's the Métis grandma who helped lead the convoy. And the cops gave him a fine of $1,130. Here, I just want to show you this. It's only a few minutes. Look at this video of the kind of weird civil liberties crackdown there was on Canada. Take a look. William Diaz here with Rebel News. So currently right behind you, it is written on the ground in chalk and corn sash. Free Tamara Lich, political prisoner. And according to the police right here, well, that deserves an arrest. Talking about politics and writing about politics on the ground deserves an apprehension. But would you apprehend a six-year-old riding on the ground and just having some fun on the street? I don't think so. And where, where was the police two years ago when protesters were riding BLM on the ground in front of Parliament as well? I didn't think they were there. So it's absolutely ridiculous. Trudeau's police most probably sent his cops to come and descend on people talking about politics. So stay tuned and try to figure out what happened. Right here. Oh, sir. Hi. Can, can you can you explain to me what happened? Uh, I was helping uh, write. <laughs> I was helping write uh, free Tamara and free Pat King political prisoners ac across the Wellington Street. And I was pulled over and given a fine of $1,130. What did you use? What did you use to ride that on the streets? Chalk. Chalk. So rain. it's erasable. Yes. Rain, goes, rain, rain, rain will wash it right off. How much will your fine be? $1,130. Uh, that's with the victim surcharge, I believe. And what did the police tell you concretely about why they apprehended you? Uh, they, they actually talked to me because I, I was in the midst of, of finishing the ass and said they got to come to talk to me. And they, they figured they'd be able to give me a fine instead of criminally charging me with uh, criminal mischief because I explained to them that it was not paint, that it was actually chalk and it was washable. Well, uh, you guys were on the scene. And so you were able to meet that guy pretty quickly. And we set up a quick uh, website, protestlawyers.com. Uh, 
Facebook.com to help this guy defend his right to protest. I mean, I'm not sure if I would want someone putting chalk on a, my private property, but that's a whole different kettle of fish. If you're on public streets with chalk that's going to be washed away in the next rain, um, you know what? I, I'm not sure if I would want everyone to be doing that all the time, but to give a guy a $1,130 fine feels a bit much for something that's actually a, a fairly common form of protest. The government itself does that. Black Lives Matter does street chalk, uh, a lot of pride things on in chalk on the street. Um, you know what? If it's done in chalk, it's going to be washed away. I, I really think that that, again, is is a obsessive, over overweening authoritarian government. I mean, it was just chalk for crying out loud. Yeah, that was a little odd to us. I mean, they also had had referenced the sorry the, the mayor of Ottawa and the, the police had referenced increase in in fines for shouting and unusual noise. Unusual noise. What's that? Like, I, I, if you have a big hiccup or something, what's an unusual noise? Like, I know is a usual noise okay, but if it's unusual, it's not okay. Right. That's well, just, that's unusual. That's bizarre. What does that even mean? How do you know if you're being usual or unusual? That's right. I mean, that's the definition of a celebration. You make, you shout, and you make unusual noises. So. And sometimes they usual, hooray! But what if, what if you do something unusual like yabba dabba do? Right. In law, we call that a linguistically problematic uh, bylaw. So, <laughs> well, it's if you can't understand the law, how can you follow the law? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So the the uh, painting on the roadway. As you say, I can see normally that might be a problem. You don't want to confuse uh, drivers with um, conflicting uh, lines. But this, again, this roadway was blocked off to traffic. So there's no danger of that. And it seems to me like they were punishing disfavored political speech. That's what it seemed like to me. But TDF has offered to take that ticket. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. You know, um, back to the bylaw for, for a moment. They, there was all sorts of weird tweets. And I, I don't like it when police have strong opinions on things. If, if police are using Twitter... I want to know some facts, like there's a shooting here, or there's a missing person, or there's some some information the public needs to know. But when you're getting editorial commentaries from police forces, it feels really creepy to me because it tells me the police are coloring outside of their lines. Here, for example, is a really whiny tweet from Ottawa police saying, we're going to turn off replies because we need a safe space. Like, So the Ottawa police are bullying people on Twitter. People are clapping back. That's the beauty of Twitter is you say something stupid, you're going to hear about it from a thousand people. The Ottawa police was so outraged that people would disagree with them. They blocked anyone from replying and they said, we want a safe space. And then the Ottawa bylaw announces that they're having thousand dollar fines for unusual noises and things like that. A thousand dollar fine, you know, I, I mean, I've done enough lawyering in the past I've seen enough law to know you don't get a thousand dollar fine for any first offense crime. Uh, shoplifters never get a thousand dollar fine. They get a conditional or absolute discharge, no fine at all. Um, you know that we had two people hit David Menzies and Efron Monsanto. Uh, uh, actually, one guy hit them. We got a, we took them to court. We won. They each got five hundred dollars. So a $1,000 fine for chalk or unusual noises, that strikes me as constitutionally extreme, cruel, and unusual. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that opinion is, is radical. I think they, that type of thing is punitive. And I think it's meant to be punitive. I think it's indicative of the erosion of civil liberties we've seen. 
Um, and it, it just, it angers people and it frightens them and it keeps them compliant because, you know, people are, $1,000 to working class people is a lot of money. You know, I'm reminded of something that happens be happened before your time. I'm talking 25 or so years ago. Uh, the dictator of Indonesia, his name was Suharto. He came to visit a, a, an APEC summit in Vancouver. Uh, APEC is, uh, you know, Asia-Pacific countries. And he, he didn't like protests, and he didn't like to see protests, although Canadians are allowed to protest. So Jean Chrétien's prime minister's office directed the police to pepper spray it was nicknamed spray pack to pepper spray the protesters. And there was even people who were strip searched. And I was told at the time, the purpose for those strip searches, they weren't looking for weapons. They wanted to so humiliate the protesters, especially the women, that they would never do it again. They would be punished and psychologically stunned by being stripped naked and inspected, which is a, Suharto move, but it was done by Kretchen. This became a real scandal at the time. If you, you Google it, you know, uh, Kretchen said, oh, pepper for me is on the plate. <laughs> when he was asked about the peppers, it was a real scandal. But what I'll always remember is that they stripped the women naked to psychologically stun them. And I see that kind of abusive policing all over the place with the truckers. Huge fines. Um, shriek at them. Shoot them. Scare them with riot outfits, um, scare them with tweets threatening you'll hunt them down. Like the, the acting chief of police in Ottawa says, if you donated to the truckers, we're not done. We're coming for you. He's like a WWE wrestler. There is an abusive strain to this. And the good police are silent and the worst cops in the world are loving every second of it. Yeah. It, look, it's troubling. Um, you know, all we can do is is pick our battles and, and uh, you know, fight where we can. And that's what TDF is going to do. So, you know, we'll continue to get out at these protests or these demonstrations and peacefully assemble and display our signs if we want and deal with the consequences. All right. Well, listen, good luck to you and the Democracy Fund. And I'm so glad you're out there in Ottawa. And I'm glad you're going to help the Chalk Bandit. And um, I know you guys are working on a lot of other important files, not just trucker convoy stuff and right to protest, but also vaccine cases. Give us just 30 seconds, an update on that. You've been taking a lot of cases. Yeah, so uh, we've been helping some students um, who are unable to get back to their universities because of the vaccine mandates. And we thought that was over, but apparently a lot of the universities are keeping those vaccine mandates in place, hmm. um, which we don't think is fair. Uh, so we're helping them. Um, we've got about 30 uh, criminal clients uh, for matters relating to the uh, Freedom Convoy um, protests. Uh, we're, we're looking at a lot about 2,500 tickets, pandemic related tickets. We're still fighting those quarantine act, uh, masking, gathering sort of tickets. Um, so yeah, there's always work to do and uh, we're busy as ever. All right, well, thedemocracyfund.ca is the website to learn more about Mark's work and the rest of the Democracy Fund team. I'm really glad you were there in Ottawa. Stay with us, your letters to me, you're next. Welcome back your letters to me. Mike Ratty says two real media powerhouses together. Thanks, Ezra and Andrew. Oh, you're talking about my friend Andrew Lawton in our long form interview. I really like Andrew. You know, I've had the pleasure of uh, reporting with him in a number of unusual cities, including uh, 
in the UK when when he came to uh, Tommy Robinson's trial uh, about three, four years ago. And as you saw, he joined our team in Davos, Switzerland to cover the World Economic Forum. We love hanging out with him. Wild Bill says, the convoy is meaningful to many, many Canadians. February 18th is a date that will be remembered with disgust. I will mark this date and make my best efforts to remind everyone why. Well, you know, the funny thing is, I think it was an outrage to a lot of ordinary Canadians, but the establishment elite, they generally loved the Emergencies Act. They wanted Trudeau to go harsher. Robert Pariseau says the fight is still going on. We need to protect Brian Peckford at any and all costs. You're talking about the former premier of Newfoundland. He now lives on Vancouver Island, and he is one of the plaintiffs in a lawsuit challenging the flight ban mandate. And I'm so glad that lawsuit is proceeding. Keith Wilson's one of the lawyers on that. Because I'm worried that they're going to try and bring back mandates again. Otherwise, why would um, Health Minister Duclos say the things he was saying today? You know, legally, you're not jabbed unless you've had one in the last nine months. Why would that matter unless it was going to matter? And what do you mean matter? Well, it mattered before. You couldn't get on planes or trains. You couldn't go in restaurants. You couldn't work for the government. I'm worried they're going to try and bring that back. Let me leave you with that thought on this Independence Day until tomorrow. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. David Menzies for Rebel News here outside the Liberal Party of Canada headquarters in Ottawa to deliver not one, but two petitions. Now, our first petition, folks, is to free Tamara Leach. As you know, Tamara Leach is essentially a political prisoner. She was rearrested the other day, uh, allegedly for breaking bail conditions. It's very unclear what those are. But nevertheless, this grandmother from Medicine Hat uh, is back behind bars, disgraceful. And we are asking for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to stop persecuting peaceful protesters like Tamara Leach and to release her immediately. More than 23,000 of you signed that petition and we thank you for it. Now our second petition, oh how his nose grows, oh how his slacks smolder. Yes, I'm talking about Minister of Lying, no rather, sorry, the Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino. As you know, Marco Mendicino lied through his teeth, not once, not twice, but more than a dozen times, telling Canadians it was law enforcement that asked the government to enact the Emergencies Act back in February when the Trucker Freedom Convoy was in Ottawa. The advice we received was to invoke the Emergencies Act. Look, I, I don't want to speak uh, for every last serving member uh, of, of law enforcement, but there was a very strong consensus that we needed to invoke the act. We invoked the act because it was the advice of nonpartisan professional law enforcement. The advice that we were getting was that, um, that law enforcement needed the Emergencies Act. It was only after we got advice from law enforcement that we invoked the Emergencies Act. And that advice came from very experienced law enforcement. We had to invoke the Emergencies Act, and we did so on the basis of non-partisan professional advice from law enforcement. And that was the advice that we were receiving from law enforcement, and one of the main reasons why we invoked the Emergencies Act. We got the advice from uh, our law enforcement that we'd met the threshold. They then came to their judgment, as you say, and thereafter, 
uh, we came to ours on the basis of the advice that we were getting from law enforcement. That has been proven false. There's not a single law enforcement agency that has stepped forth and said, yeah, that's right. That's what we wanted. It's an absolute disgrace the public safety minister would lie about something as important as that. That's why we started our Fire Mandicino petition. More than 15,000 of you signed that one. So we have some gifts for the Liberal Party of Canada. We are going to present the thousands and thousands of signatures on these two petitions from Canadians from coast to coast saying that you are doing just a dreadful job when it comes to telling the truth and arresting peaceful protesters. Good day. The building is closed. It is only open to staff. Have a good day. Oh, uh, well, sir, just before you hang up, are you there? Uh, I'm, I'm not coming into the building. Can someone please accept the delivery? It's two petitions. I'm dropping off to the Liberal Party of Canada, please. There is a procedure in place for that. You can find the procedure on the House of Commons website at parl.gc.ca. The, all the mailing addresses are there, and you can find them there. The mailing facility, the mail reception facility, is there. Oh, At this point, I would ask that you vacate the entrance, please. Sir, you. it's ten, it, it's tens of thousands of petitions. Can you believe it? Can you believe the arrogance? It is unbelievable. This, I, I've been redirected to a parliamentary website. Um, it's tens of thousands of uh, e emailed signatures and. Um, I don't think we're going to send them one after the other, but the absolute arrogance that nobody will come to the door and accept these petitions, it's not a rebel news thing, it's for you, you the people, all of you who signed this, look at the contempt they have for you for signing a document that demands Tamara Leach be freed and that Marco Mendicino is fired. Well, we'll just hang around and, oh, there we are. How do you like that? Open door. Hi there, sir. How are you? Uh, good, sir. I'm uh, not coming into the building. I'm just dropping off two petitions to the Liberal Party of Canada. Yeah, uh, just my colleague just explained to you the procedure. Okay, I don't understand the procedure. How can we possibly email tens of thousands of petitions? You can contact uh, PPS Media Relations. They'll give you all the info you need. Who is PPS Media Relations? You can find it on the PPS website. Okay, do you have a name of that person? Uh, I don't. I have an email address if you need. Okay, and what would that be? Media.relations.pps-spp.parl.gc.ca But no name, no actual person. No, it's a generic email. Is there any problem? Uh, we can, we've come all the way from Toronto to deliver this. Is there any problem with leaving this? It's just paper, it's harmless. It's impossible. It's impossible. You don't accept anything. You don't accept anything? No, I thought we were living in a democracy. Thank you for your time, sir. Okay, then. So, the door, is there another office? No. There's your parliamentary protective service hard at work protecting liberal members of parliament from, oh, I don't know, impolite questions, thousands of signatures saying they're doing a horrific job. Unbelievable. Well, folks, uh, we are not going to let this rest. We will somehow find a way to get those signatures to the appropriate people. But again, you are watching an arrogant and egregious government that is out of control, that won't even accept petitions from you, the people. Absolutely disgraceful. 
folks, I'm standing outside the Conservative Party of Canada headquarters. We have just come from the Liberal Party of Canada headquarters. We tried to deliver two petitions, namely to free Tamara Leach and to, um, well, fire Marco Mendicino, a.k.a. Pinocchio with a portfolio. And can you imagine the contempt the Liberals have for you, the taxpayers of Canada? They wouldn't even accept our petitions. And so combined, that was uh, you know, close to 50,000 signatures. In any event, we have a separate petition for the Conservative Party of Canada. It is to demand that they hold this Liberal government accountable, that they stand up for people like Tamara Leach, that peaceful protesters and the organizers of peaceful protests shouldn't be incarcerated. It is an outrage. Tamara Leach is a political prisoner, and we know the Conservatives like to stand up for individual liberty and our rights and our freedoms. Well, enough with the talk. you also got to walk the walk. So we're giving this petition to them. Hopefully that'll light a fire, and um, the case of Tamara Leach will be raised by the official opposition. Let's go drop it off. Yes, uh, good day. Uh, my name is David Menzies, and I'm just here to uh, deliver a petition from Rebel News viewers. It's about uh, freeing Tamara Leach, and it's addressed to the Conservative Party of Canada. And I just wanted to uh, drop off the 23,000-plus signatures, if I could, please. Thank you. Hi there. How are you doing, sir? Great. How are you? Good. Uh, this is a collection of more than 23,000 signatures. It's about Tamara Leach getting her freed. And it's just asking the Conservative Party of Canada to make an issue of this with the Liberal government to free a peaceful protester or an organizer of a peaceful protest. Got it. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Have a good Dominion Day.